So the other day, I sat down to enjoy a delicious gourmet meal with my daughter, Allison. And so as we were sitting there, we were eating our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And I noticed that Allison wasn't actually biting her sandwich. And so what she was actually doing was pulling the bread apart, taking a lick of the peanut butter, scooping the jelly off with her finger, licking her finger, then closing the bread back together. And so after getting over the fact that I might be raising a sociopath, I decided to try and teach her the right way to eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So I I look at her and I said, Allison, hey, watch this. And so I grab my sandwich, I take a bite, and then I explain that this is the way you eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, by keeping the bread closed together and taking a bite. Then my super smart two-year-old looks me square in the eyes and says, okay, daddy, but I'm going to open mine. And truthfully, I think a lot of us need that mentality when it comes to life, but also when it comes to our money. So let's talk about it. American society often tells us, okay, this is how you actually need to live. And it gives us this example of, you know, first you go into ridiculous student loan debt, and then you find this meaningless job to pay off the student loans. Oh, and make sure that you always have a car loan. Then you get married and have kids, and then you buy a house that you probably can't afford, and you just bury whatever you're really passionate about. Because again, you're going to be putting all of your energy into climbing the corporate ladder, because again, you have to pay for all the stuff that you've already bought. But don't worry though, you're going to have plenty of time to do the things that you actually enjoy when you're 65 and you don't really have the energy or the money to do them. And thinking about that, like that's really why when Allison said, okay, daddy, but I'm going to open mine. Like I could only look at her and laugh because I looked at the way that society told me to do things. And I said, Nah, I'm just, I'm going to do it my way. And I don't care how my parents did it. I don't care what my old classmates are doing. I'm going to do it the way that works for me. And so it was just interesting to experience that with her. And, and I mean, one of the things about us is Taylor and I both know what we want and how we want to live. And not only are we clear about that, but we're also clear on what it's going to take from us to get to that point. So how can you get to the place of not being financially influenced by what other people are doing or just by what society as a whole says you need to do or that you need to have by a certain time in your life? Well, first, I believe the key is to cultivate a spirit of gratitude in your finances. And gratitude is a lot like a muscle, like you have to work it, you have to develop it, and you have to do all those things. And so one thing that I like to do is start the day by listing two or three things that I'm grateful for that day. And it can be anything from health to the car that gets us safely to and from work or whatever else. So like, for example, just last week, we bought Allison this little kid pool. It's about eight feet. Uh, wide and it's about two and a half feet deep. And I absolutely love hearing her laugh as she jumps around and plays in this pool. 
So I wrote that down. I love the fact that I get to hear her laugh as a result of this pool that we bought. And so bringing it back to this, if I ever was at a friend's pool or a friend's house and I started to feel a little envious of like, man, I really want a bigger pool now or like I want to do these things. I can just look back and really reflect on just how grateful I am for the little pool in our backyard that brings out that laughter that I so enjoy from my daughter. Now, before you rush out and spend money on some fancy journal, again, you can do what I do. You can start this habit by just using the notes app on your phone. And to be honest, I actually like this more um, because it's always with me. And in those moments where I do start to feel like a little less than or maybe envious of something of or of what somebody else has, I can instantly refer back to my list and think on what I've been blessed with. Like, I don't have to wait until I get home to carry my journal or anything like that. So I just love doing it on my phone. But if you're the type to keep a journal, go for it. But by doing this, what you'll notice is actually over time, you'll start to care less about how other people are doing things and what other people have. And you'll become more clear about what actually matters to you and how you want to do things. And and that's really the key, guys, is to just be clear on what actually matters to you. Now, next, you have to be absolutely unapologetic about your core beliefs like Allison was with eating that dang sandwich. And so when it comes to our money and how we do things, we have three core money beliefs that we're absolutely unapologetic about. First and foremost, we believe that our money is used to honor God. We believe that God has entrusted us with this money to steward and to do well with. And so we want to first honor God. And so at the very top of our spending plan, we designate 10% of our income to be a tithe to our local church. Now, second on our list, we believe our money is to prioritize family. Now, this means that we save and invest a huge amount so that one day we don't have to spend 40 plus hours a week away from each other trading our time for money. This also means that we spend money on family vacations. We spend money on things that enhance our marriage. We spend money on date nights, conferences, books, all those things. And we spend money on big family gatherings. So if we have a big family reunion that we need to travel for, we spend it because second is to prioritize family. Third, we believe our money is to serve other people. And so practically speaking, this means that we give like crazy when we see needs in our community. An example of that was just the other week. You know, I'm actually furloughed and don't have a W-2 income right now, but we still found a way to give to the Houston Food Bank. And that totaled almost like something like a thousand meals that we gave based on what we were able to do. And so that is our third money belief. So those are our three. We first believe money, money is used to honor God. Second is prioritize family. And third is to serve other people. Now, because we're clear on what we believe about money and how we believe our money should be used, we can be happy that you bought a brand new car or that you bought a huge house. But even if we do feel that tug of envy, like we can always go back to our core beliefs that our money is used to, again, honor God, prioritize family and serve others. And if something that we want or or dreaming of doesn't accomplish either one of those or it gets in the way of us being able to do one of those, then it's an automatic, super easy no for us. So you may be wondering now, how do you develop a core money belief? 
How, like, how do you get clear on why you make the money choices that you make? And I think the answer to that question is just by being clear on what you'd like to accomplish with your money. So like, is wearing designer clothes every day really that important? Or would you rather retire early so that you can spend more time with your family? Honestly, I can't make that call for you. You have to make that call for yourself. But just know that every yes to one thing is a no to something else. So saying yes to that $600 a month car payment for seven years just might be saying no to family vacations while your kids are little. So again, that's just something to think about. What are your core money beliefs? What do you believe money should really be used for? And how can you adjust your spending and your lifestyle to match that? And again, that's why having that level of clarity is so, so important. So set a time to really sit down with your spouse and really think through what your core money beliefs are. You can start with the same prompt that we did, which is we believe that money should be used to dot, 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 and then close it out. So you can start with listing about maybe five to 10 of those. And then you want to kind of narrow it down to maybe three to five really strong core beliefs. And you're going to pull that out every month when you're creating your spending plan. And again, when you're stuck on a big money decision, like should we buy this house or this house? Or should we buy this car or that car? Or all these big money decisions, those core money beliefs are going to come into play because you'll start to see, well, if we go this way, it's going to take away from this. And if we go that way, then it's going to take away from this. So again, just being clear on that is just going to help you draw that line in the sand and just say, nope, this is the way that we're going to go. So to recap, start writing down two to three things every day that you're grateful for to develop that gratitude muscle. Then you're going to schedule a time to sit down with your spouse and create some core money beliefs that are going to serve as your guiding money principles. And doing these two things is going to help you avoid the comparison trap. And then second, it's going to align your finances with values that are actually fulfilling to you and your spouse so that when someone comes along and says, hey, this is how you actually eat a sandwich, you can say, "Okay, cool, you do that, but... I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to live life my way on my terms. And that's really what this whole thing is about. It's being able to live life on your own terms. And so if this episode was helpful to you, hit the share button and leave a five-star review. Now, doing both of these things will go a long way towards helping me turn my daughter's savage eating habits into a positive thing in my mind. Also, if you want to have better conversations with your spouse about money, be sure to download my brand new free monthly recap printable. This printable is going to help you recap the most important money metrics every single month while also keeping track of your net worth progress. Now, if you have a spouse that's like me that doesn't really care to really dig in the weeds, this is great because it's going to show how much income did we have? How much did we save? How much did we invest? How much debt did we pay off? How much debt do we have left? And all those key important metrics that you really need to be talking about every month. 
Also, it's going to keep track of your net worth every single month. And there's also a section at the bottom where you can recap the goals that you had for this month and then set new goals for next month. So again, everything that you're going to talk about in that 30 to 40 minute conversation with your spouse every month, it's all on one sheet and you're just going to go line by line by line. You can review everything. It's going to help you guys communicate better about money. It's going to help you stay on the same page. And you can find that over at winningtowealth.com slash monthly recap. But thanks again for tuning in to another episode. Until we talk again, keep racking up those wins one at a time. We'll talk soon. Thank <laughs> you.